0: is Sam Black with Drafting Archetypes, and this week we are going to be talking about Maestros in Streets of New Capenna. Maestros has the second highest win rate of the three color ducks, far behind brokers. My general thesis on drafting Maestros is that it's roughly where you want to try to be if white isn't available. I think that you should try to be white, blue white, green white, brokers, something like that, but if white is like heavily cut it can be good to have other tools at your disposal and that's uh maestros is a good one as far as like how you get into this basically i think that you want to default to starting out every draft either taking like a legitimate bomb and going from there or trying to take the best blue or white cards and then failing that take a green card or a black card And then worst case scenario, take a red card. Or I mean, worst case scenario is taking like a junk card or a Cabaret card. But basically, I think that brokers is where you want to be. I like blue white a bit more than green white, but I think green white's not bad. But when you're, but you want to try to bias toward like the blue side of white rather than the green side of white, because if you end up shifting too far and need to pivot into an adjacent archetype because like brokers isn't available. It's much better to have to pivot into Obscura than it is to have to pivot into Cabaretti. And then it's much worse to have to pivot all the way into Jund than to pivot into Maestros, uh, Riveteers than Maestros. So if you're starting from trying to be white, it's better to lean blue, try to be blue white, rather than try to be like open ended brokers and maybe like end up getting pulled too far in a green direction. So If you assume that you're starting with blue whites and then going from there and whites cut, that means that you're going to be blue and you'll generally pivot toward black because you have to pair blue with either white or black. Basically, you'll draft starting out blue black and then you'll add white or red to that. So there will be times when you start with like a maestros bomb and you're just full maestros from the beginning. But most of the time you're going to be like, you started in like a blue space, you got pushed out of white. So you ended up in black and then you were looking for like, okay, should I stick to blue black or should I add a third color? And it became clear somehow throughout the draft that you were adding red. And if you look at the stats for the win rates, or blue, black with a splash or red, black with a splash, blue, black with a splash performs significantly better. I'm not sure if that's because the blue and black cards are well, I do the blue and black cards are better than the red and black cards, but also I think that just like the strategy of like the overall draft philosophy is like more sound if you are drafting to prioritize being uh blue-black. And so one of the interesting things that we see here is that Snooping Newsy, the uh, blue-black common, has a much higher win rate than Body Dropper, the red-black common. But I don't know that like, if you ignore the casting costs, Snooping Newsy is really that much stronger of a card. I think that what's going on is that it's just much better to be blue-black than red-black, and that's kind of supported by the fact that Snooping Newsy has like a one and a half percent higher like game played win percentage, meaning it's when just when it's in your deck, regardless of whether you draw it. And so that stat to me largely says how good are the surrounding cards rather than how good is this card, especially for a random two drop common. So I think you should expect that when you're Maestros, you're trying to be base blue black. Uh, that also makes it easier for you to like get the ability to splash white so you can splash any uh, Inspiring Overseers that you see because playing and drafting Inspiring Overseers rather than not is honestly a key to this format. And so you're generally going to be uh, blue, black, splash, red is kind of my thesis for how I'm evaluating cards and thinking about proceeding in this deck. So as far as like early on figuring out what's going on, Um, you know, like I said, default, I think you're going to be in blue or white. So I think you're just going to end up with some blue cards most of the time if you're drafting roughly the way that I think you should be drafting. So I don't feel like I need to explain like, how do you end up in the blue part? As for how how do you end up in the black part? I want to focus on some premium uncommons that put you in black. And those are uh, the most importantly, nightclubber and Corpse Appraiser. It's mostly those. Grizzly Sigil is another noteworthy black uncommon. It wins more than Murder, but it's drafted like a few picks lower. I think that it definitely, uh, I think that there are not very many players whose first impression would be that Grizzly Sigil looks like a stronger card than Murder, but it does win kind of appreciably more than Murder, which surprised me, honestly. Grizzly Sigil is strong i think partially because one like attacking one toughness is a good strategy against uh brokers so any of the stuff that attacks one toughness like nightclubber lines up super well against them and like grizzly sigil and rafine silencer to me are kind of like nightclubber lights and uh they perform better in this format than they would in most as a result and girder goons is certainly like another black card that can pull you into black a little bit later in the pack if you're trying to figure out where to go. And uh, I mean, girder goons, and of course, to a lesser extent, murder. Certainly, I'd, I don't mean to be conveying the message that you should be avoiding murder or like not prioritizing murder, though it is worth noting that murder is taken more highly than girder goons, wins appreciably less. I do think that you should just generally be prioritizing girder goons over murder. Snooping Newsy, incidentally, I think also wins more than murder. I Don't think that you should be drafting Snooping Newsies over murders, though, because I think that you might be tabling those Snooping Newsies stuff. Another card that (laughs) wins more than murder, but that I don't think you should be taking over murder is Make Disappear. It is possible that I'm wrong, and you're just supposed to like take all the Make Disappears. The problem is Make Disappear goes very late, and so it doesn't feel like you need to take everyone that you see, but I do kind of wonder about whether there's a way to like draft where you just take all the Make Disappears and uh, build your deck around the idea that you're going to have a lot of Make Disappears, because Make Disappear has great stats, like the best stats of any Maestro's common um, in Maestro's decks. I think that there is more to explore for me in just like what's going on with Make Disappear's win rate and how to prioritize it and how to build around it. Along those lines, uh, Make Disappear, I I should be making sure to say what these cards are. Make Disappear is the one in a blue uh, counter unless they pay two with casualty one. And it's generally pretty good. I think one of the biggest reasons that uh, Make Disappear is so good is just that it's like the only card in the format that profitably trades with inspiring overseer if your opponent's on the play and they play inspiring overseer and you play make disappear you're like up a mana and it's it's not easy to like profitably trade with like an impactful 3 mana cantrip and then aside from that there are obviously a number of just like powerful expensive cards it also helps uh that there is the cycle of Uh, like the three-color fixer commons that your opponent often tells you that they have. And so you know when they're coming, and they're expensive. And so you can just plan your make disappears to counter those. And that's a nice, like, safe way to figure out when to slot your make disappear into your mana base. Anyway, make disappear is good, and you should plan to take advantage of it. Make Disappear is a soft counter, meaning that eventually it like gets weaker because your opponent's more likely to have the mana to pay its tax. And with any soft counter, it's more powerful the shorter your games are because you want to minimize the portion of the game where you're going to draw it and it's going to be dead. Uh, this fact supports uh, some, another finding that I've had with my own Maestro's decks that I think that they perform a lot better when they air aggressive. I think, partially, that's just the nature of the format. It's a format where it's generally better to be proactive, but I also think that there are a lot of cards that work well in Maestros that work better when you're aggressive. Among them, I would cite Girder Goons, the 5-mana 4-4 with Blitz that makes a 2-2 when it dies, and Majestic Metamorphosis, the 3-mana uh, blue instance that makes something 4-4, And Rooftop Nuisance, the casualty card that taps a creature and draws a card. All of those are like good, aggressive, tempo play type cards. And I think that you basically want to just like play. One and two drops, and use those cards to be able to just like make a lot of good attacks, get your opponent low. And I think that even just like the two damage from Glamorous Outlaw can be really helpful at closing games. And I've also been impressed very recently, uh, largely through my experience with Sealed, by Sewer Crocodile, which didn't seem like a very good card, but I think it actually lines up pretty well in the format. And there are a few things going on. One, it generally wants to go in decks with the five different costs theme. And unless you have a lot of glamorous outlaws, you're unlikely to have a lot of sixes. So it's nice that it is a six in your deck that you can like mill or have die or whatever as a way to turn on your different casting costs more easily. And also, this is a format where boards can often get pretty wide. Inspiring Overseer is a cantrip that leads to big games. There's also stuff like cabaretty in general just has a lot of cards that make tokens, and battlefields can get a little cluttered. And in that spot, having something that just like is like unpreventable damage, your opponent can't trump block it or anything, can just uh, seal a game. Also. Four six is just really big. There are very few things that can like break through it if you just want to play it as a six mana brick wall and stabilizes well, turns the corner fast. It's impressive for a not very good card. <laughs> like I'm not saying you should prioritize this, just like it's a playable card that you can get for free in a draft that you should particularly keep your eye on if you're like a snooping newsy deck that doesn't have other sixes. So I've made a list of like the commons that you want to play and the commons that you you know are that are acceptable to play in, in the colors in like a normal maestro's deck. So the only red common you really want to play is strangle. Partially this is because You're going to be largely, you know, you're going to expect that you have significantly fewer red sources than blue and black sources, which makes a card like Mayhem Patrol a lot less valuable because you are less likely to be able to cast it on turn two and it's not as good late. There are... Maestro's decks that can use Mayhem Patrol, uh, which is the one-two uh, blitz creature that has Menace and gives something plus one power when it attacks. Uh, there, there are decks that have like a good amount of casualty that can plan to blitz Mayhem Patrol later and sack it, make good use of Mayhem Patrol. But really, you want your Maestro's decks to be blue-black with some gold cards and Strangle and maybe some red uncommons, like the guy that makes a treasure when it dies. Other acceptable red commons to play, Exhibition Magician, the 3-mana 2-1 that makes a uh, token, either a treasure or a 1-1. Light Em Up, which I've never played, but it makes sense that it's acceptable along the same lines as Grizzly Sigil. That's the uh, 2-mana sorcery that does 2 damage and has Casualty 2. Casualty 2 is awkward. It's a lot harder to use than Casualty 1, but whatever. Mayhem Patrol, which I just talked about. Wrecking Crew, which is the 5-mana, 4-5 Reach. I think uh, maybe maybe it also tramples. I think it also tramples. And then Big Score is the Red 3, the Better Unexpected Windfall, easier to cast. Red 3, discard a card, draw 2 cards, make 2 treasures, instant. And Plasma Jockey, which is the 4-mana, 3-1 that makes something unable to block when it attacks and has Blitz. You can play any of that stuff. You don't want to play very much of it. I think Wrecking Crew is toward the better end just because it's expensive enough that you're usually going to have your red mana and it's like a solid body. Reach is pretty important in this format, but it's not, it's you know, nothing that you should be prioritizing. It's just like a late card that you can get that's acceptable to play. Black and blue have quite a bit more to offer. The black commons you want are Gerdergoons, Murder, Fake Your Own Death. So Gerdergoons I've talked about, that's the 4-4 for 5 with Blitz. Likely no, black black one, instant destroy a creature. Fake your own death, which is the creature the card that gives a creature plus two attack or plus two power, uh, and when it dies, return to the battlefield tapped and make a treasure. And corrupt court official, which is the two mana one one that makes your opponent discard a card, and then arguably crooked custodian, which is the two mana three, two that enters tapped. Fake your own death is interesting. It's another one in kind of the like make disappear space, where it has really good stats in terms of win rate. But it's taken very late and it's like hard to know if you should really play a lot. I would be very interested in seeing uh, people who do deeper dives on the stats, how both Fake Your Own Death and Make Disappear play in multiples because you certainly have the option to play several copies of Fake Your Own Death and Make Disappear if you want. But it's not difficult to imagine a game where you draw two Fake Your Own Deaths, don't have a good opportunity to play it and lose as a result. But it does have a lot of good interactions in the format. It's particularly sweet with Blitz. I've uh, definitely had some really big blowouts that involved uh, blitzing a Nightclubber and then using fake, t- uh, fake Your Own Death on it to like attack for four and then you know like one-sided pyroclasm your opponent rather than just uh, killing their one toughness creatures. Also killing their two toughness creatures can be very big. And then uh, Corrupt Court Official, the one, one that makes them discard a card, is just a great casualty enabler. But it's not just a great casualty enabler. It's also a great Majestic Metamorphosis enabler. And I think that uh, just having like a random body that's not doing much... Is a good way to disguise your majestic metamorphosis. Like if you play a corrupt court official, it's likely not going to have a good attack, and then you pass. Your opponent attacks you because you have this like one one that's not doing anything, and then you get to majestic metamorphosis and kill their creature. So I think that like just the existence of majestic metamorphosis is a great reason to uh, prioritize cr- uh, corrupt court official in addition to the casualties value that you're going to be able to get out of it. Other black playables, Deal Gone Bad, Dig Up the Body, To a Lesser Extent, Revel Ruiner, and Extract the Truth. Deal Gone Bad is the four-minute instant, minus three, minus three, mill three, Dig up the body is the three mana instant. Casualty one, sac- uh, casualty one. Mill two. Return a creature from your graveyard your hand. Revel Ruiner is the three one menace Connive, and extract the truth is the two mana uh, discard spell that can make them sac an enchantment sorcery speed. Blue commons that you want. Make disappear. Run out of town and Echo Inspector. Make disappear. I t- talked about at length. Run out of town is the like grip tide four mana instant. Put a Non land permanent, I believe, on top of its, uh, or on top or bottom uh, owner's choice of uh, their library. And Echo Inspector is the 2 3 flying connive creature. You can also play Disdainful Stroke, Majestic Metamorphosis, Rooftop Nuisance and Expendable Lackey, and I recommend all of those. Disdainful Stroke has the best win rate among them, but I like it less than the other three, and I would draft and play any of the other three over Disdainful Stroke most of the time. You can also, in a pinch, play Broker's Veteran or Backstreet Bruiser, but I'm never particularly happy about either one unless I'm low on two drops. Or in Broker's Veteran's case, maybe if I have a lot of instant speed casualties so that I can get, do good tricks with placing the shield counter uh, like in response to a removal spell or whatever. Making sure that you're going to line up your shield counter correctly and like get the shield counter at the right time on Broker's Veteran makes it quite a bit better. Obviously, you also are interested in the gold uh, commons, Snooping Newsy, way more so than Body Dropper, I think mostly because of the better casting cost. And then uh, Glamorous Outlaws, another fine playable, especially if uh, fixing is relevant. Um, So those are the uh, commons to look for. And let's see, is there anything else we need to talk about? maybe i already alluded to this but while you're drafting your blue black deck you should continue to at most points in the draft take inspiring overseer if you see it and try to splash it even if you're also splashing red and you should given that also you know slightly place a slightly higher priority in like, the beginning of the draft, on Obscura lands and uh, the blue white land, so that it will be easier to splash any Inspiring Overseers that you see. The format really is the Inspiring Overseer format, and you don't want to miss out on being able to take advantage of that. Inspiring Overseer is also particularly good if you're Maestros, since you're more likely to have, like, dig up the bodies to get additional value out of it. All right. So. Quick hits, just to recap. I think I've covered the things that I need to say. Draft maestros when white is not available. Start in blue, pivot down the color wheel into black, and then into red. Try to be base blue, base blue black. Try not to be. Try try to keep red light unless red is just a lot more open than blue. Try to be more proactive. It's easy to find yourself uh, trying to be reactive. This is certainly a color combination that can make you think you're trying to play, like, a value control game, but a lot of the best value stuff works best when you are uh, aggressive, so try to be aggressive. That will maximize your make disappears, as well as your tempo cards and uh, blitz cards. And you do want blitz cards to pair with your casualty cards, uh, if you can find a window to do that. So I, I guess just some, like, nice, like, gameplay type stuff and, like, synergies to look for are... Pairing Blitz with Casualty, so that you can play a Blitz creature, attack with it, and then get more value out of it by sacking it to Casualty before it would die. Also, Fake Your Own Death plays well with Blitz especially, but also potentially Casualty. And uh, Expendable Lackey, of course, plays well with Casualty, the connive that you have access to, and also sometimes gives you free value off of Snooping Newsy. Also, I think that the more snooping newsies you have, the more you want to prioritize Expendable Lackey, both because you might mail it for free and because it costs one and it can be hard to find you're not likely to have a ton of cards in your deck that cost one, and having a one is a great way to turn on your Newsy faster. And getting the five types for, new, for Snipping Newsy is really a big game. There's a huge difference between a 2-2 creature and a 3-3 lifelinking creature, um, especially in this format, where that's like a big part of the range of sizes of creatures. There are not very many big creatures, so in this format, the difference between a 2-2 and a 3-3 is absolutely huge. I think th- that's that, that's basically, you know, if anyone got here late or, you know, I, I covered a bunch of stuff, that's, I think, those are, those are the major important takeaways. So opening this up to Twitch chat for any follow-up questions. If there's anything that you've asked that you don't feel I've addressed, enter it in chat now uh, while I'm waiting for that to populate. I am now remembering that I was off my game a little bit. Forgot to mention that the notes for this are available at patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes. Might be a little late to remind you about that now to follow along, but if you want to review, they're there. Also, if you want to check out patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes to potentially support the show, see what kinds of other perks we offer, please check that out. On a related note, I want to thank my newest patrons, Micah, Sam, and Eli. Um, really appreciate Support. Thanks for joining the Patreon. Another content creator mentioned hating disappear and limited, but I have it as top-rated it common. Can I elaborate? Well, so I'm mostly referring to the 17 land stats that have it as the single best-performing common in Maestros. As I said, I think that uh, some of its strength comes from lining up well against exactly inspiring overseer, and some from countering bombs. And I think that there are ways to maximize it, such as having stuff to sack to casualty so that it's alive later in the game and being uh, proactive enough that you can focus on having a low curve so that you can leave mana up on more turns to be uh, more likely to time it correctly. Or to have the mana up when you need to counter something. Again, it's easiest to time if you use the fact that your opponent has showed you what the most expensive card in their hand is by exiling it on a land, and then you can hold the Make to Spear up to counter that card for like a pretty large tempo swing where you were likely able to like play two spells and your opponent spent all their mana to play one of the more expensive cards in their deck and you countered it. I can't really speak to why another player may or may not like the card, but the stats for the card are so positive that I think that it's really worth trying to explore and find ways to maximize. And while I would say I've had, you know, good, but not mind-blowingly great experiences with it. I'm certainly happy to continue to play it. I don't take it quite as high as it's win rate suggests, because I do think that it goes late and I'm, hesitant to play too many of them because I think that they're best if your deck is proactive and ending a game quickly and the more interaction you have the more slowly you're going to end a game so uh it can be kind of like a bit of a it doesn't have synergy with itself drawing two of them it's just like more likely the game is going to go long enough that the second one's dead or whatever but it's definitely a nice bit of a spice for a deck. What do I think about the risk of Maestros decks being liable to lose through decking? Uh, so that's something that I ran into early in the format and a great thing to bring up. There are a lot of Maestros cards that uh, mill you. And um, when you combine Snooping Newsy with Dig Up the Body, you can end up milling a lot especially if you start using Deal Gone Bad to mill yourself to like set up your graveyard stuff, it is possible to deck yourself. I think that as I better understand Maestros as a proactive strategy, I'm erring toward prioritizing cards like Dig Up the Body a little bit lower and not playing multiples of them and not building my deck as much around like Combining Carmella, the 4-mana uh, Uncommon Legend that can get a instant or sorcery back from your graveyard when it dies with Dig Up the Body to generate this kind of like Regra creature loop. I think that all of the like super late game, dirtily stuff is less successful, less where you want to be than the more proactive stuff. So I think that if you're drafting the deck the way that you want to and being a little bit more proactive, you're less likely to run into issues with milling yourself. I think that there are worlds where you're in that other strategy and you have enough like self-mill and enough power that you should go over 40 but I mostly think that like if you're in that spot, you've already done something wrong, such that I don't want to put too much effort into like telling you how to maximize when you're there or what to look for. I would say you're probably better off cutting some of the cards that would make you deck yourself then you are adding cards to facilitate them next question i've really enjoyed rafine silencer in any sack deck and especially with fake your own death is that a card uh, that can pull you into black yeah i like rafine silencer more than its stats suggests i've had very good experiences with rafine silencer i'm really into it it is Definitely a card that can pull me personally into black. I've I've first picked my fair share of ravine Silencers. I think that I slightly overrate it, but I don't think that I overrate it a lot. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a good card and a card that I will take as my first black card without a lot of hesitation. More question about blue-black than Maestros. I, I would consider that germane. Is going for the blue-black draft themes, five different mana values in the yard, worthwhile? Yes, sometimes. If you go for it, should you try to play more than 40 to prevent self-mill? Ideally not. So, uh, yeah, I think that rather than thinking about playing more cards, you should just think about diversifying your casting costs. Just, like, look for Expendable Lackey as a 1. Look for Grizzly Sigil as a 1. If you don't have Expendable Lackey or Grizzly Sigil, consider playing the really bad artifact that searches for a land or does damage to a creature as a 1, just because... It's not so bad. And, um, like, it's not so bad if it's giving you a unique cost in your graveyard and you have multiple cards that care about that. You might just mill it for free with a lackey or something or discard it to connive. Or not a lackey, a newsy. And then, same thing with, you know, consider playing sewer crocodile or you know prioritize even more highly than you might normally the seven mana five four which by the way is another card that can put you into black the seven mana five four uncommon that you have to like throw away a resource of some kind to cast and your opponent has to throw away a resource of any kind of results, whatever that guy's called yeah just look for like pay attention to diversifying your casting costs just like getting one or two of a bunch of weird casting costs makes it so much easier and then dusk mangler yeah uh, and then, uh, you know, as far as, like, is it worth going for the theme? I mean, it's basically, like, always worth putting a Snooping newsie in your deck. And then it's just like, well, the more of that kind of stuff you have, the more you should go out of your way to facilitate it. The more self mill, you should think about playing, the more you should prioritize different casting costs. Most of the cards that, like, care about it are pretty good. And so... You know, it's just a function of like how many of them you. I mean, it's not like you take them all whenever you see them, but just how many you end up with. You usually want to play most of them. And then it's just the more you have, the more you try to make them like succeed at their ceiling. Aside from Inspiring Overseer, are there any other white commons or uncommons I'd be looking to splash in Maestros? Let's see. Off the top of my head. I'm thinking they're more likely going to be blue-white commons or three-color commons than mono-white commons. Like, you know, like the next best white common is Rafine Silencer, which is not a good card to splash. Uncommons. I mean, if you're already splashing an Overseer, you maybe splash, like, the deal four, gain two or something if you have, like, good mana to support it. You know, like... I think it's, you know, pretty reasonable if you're splashing an Overseer to use the seven mana Angel uh, common mana fixer thing to splash it since it's gonna like help you with your splash. And I kind of like having the big creature that gains life to like turn the corner and as a good, like I've milled it and now I play a dig up the body and I get it back kind of card to like add some strength to your deck. So I, I would say that would be one of the main, main ones I'd be looking for. Is a mix of Majestic Metamorphosis and Rooftop Nuisance good, or are there reasons to focus on one or the other? Interesting question. I'm generally pretty happy to have both of them. Like, if you already have, like, X of one, should you switch to have the other, or should you just have more of the one you have? I think it's probably better to have a mix, because I think that they're kind of similar power level. I I think overall Majestic Metamorphosis is a little bit better than Rooftop Nuisance, I'm not sure, like, when I would take Nuisance over Metamorphosis. Maybe if I have just, like, a lot of, like, one or something. Like, if I have, like, a lot of Corrupt Court Officials. But, like, Corrupt Court Officials should good with both of them. But, like, I guess if I have, like, a lot of, like, spot removal and Corrupt Court Officials so that I'm trying to play, like, a grindier game and Rooftop Nuisance is functioning well as, like, a card advantage card, then I could see it. But, like, Majestic Metamorphosis just does all the same stuff so well. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I I think like majestic metamorphosis over top nuisance most of the time. Maybe if you're like super creature light and you're just worried about like you like that you can cycle the nuisance without a creature, but you can cycle, a metamorphosis on your opponent's creature if you have to, but guidance gives you a little more value when you do so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have like a great conclusion on that one, but I think it's an interesting question. The biggest trap maestros card? I'm not sure. Like someone suggests Carmella, but Carmella is like Carmella doesn't have bad stats and it does some pretty strong things. I I I wouldn't personally consider Carmella a trap. I would consider it a card that you could draft too highly and it could lead you into like more of a controlling space than you should want to be. But I don't think it's like a bad card itself. Minister's Ascendancy is a trap. I, I yeah I, I think that that's I think that there are. Many decks where Maestro's ascendancy is bad, probably more than there are where it's good. I'm not, I'm not sure about like you know, good it is at trapping people. I guess it's a, I mean, yeah, like there are a lot of slow rares that are probably t- traps. I'm not gonna like try to list them. I don't think that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe I should, but I'm not going to. Uh, I think honestly, the biggest trap Maestro's card might be Body Dropper. Because it plays well with both um, Casualty and Blitz. And so it's not that hard to have a Maestro's deck where Body Dropper looks like it's going to do really strong stuff. But then it's going to mess up your mana because you don't want very many other red cards. So I think I think the answer is that Body Dropper is the biggest Maestro's trap card. Um, how do you shift evaluations if you are... More of a like body drap- dropper deck with the blue splashes. I did focus exclusively on blue splashing red, which is probably a disservice. I do think that it's possible for like you know red to be a lot more open than blue and to be base red. It's worth it's that's worth talking about a bit. I think that there is a base red deck that uses body dropper, mayhem patrol, and plasma jockey well, and then you can potentially play like light 'em up because it's good with your blitz stuff and your blue cards in that deck are going to be like the blue tempo cards like rooftop nuisance and majestic metamorphosis and run out of town are all going to be really good there the blue creatures aren't going to be very exciting but you and i mean you're the blue creatures aren't very exciting to begin with so i i I think i do think that the like red black aggro with good uh, casualty and blitz synergies with body droppers that uh, splashes blue tempo cards. I I think that's, that is a respectable deck. I, I don't mean to say that you shouldn't draft that. I think that most of the time your approach, your like meta approach to the draft should start you in blue. And then it should be harder for you to end up in that just because of like the bias toward attempting to be in blue, white that like keeps you out of red, black early and If you're just, like, getting hard cut on blue-white, get strong red and black early. I do, like, believe in, like, red-black aggro's potential, and I do think that, like, splashing those blue tempo cards can not help the deck if your mana supports it. I I I think there's something there. I don't think you should ignore it. I don't think that, like uh the red black version of maestros is like a failure or anything and it's not something you need to like go super far out of your way to avoid it's more that i think that your natural path should lead to being base blue black but in hindsight i think that i probably should have uh done a little bit more earlier in the podcast to uh you know highlight the differences and the fact that like red black is a way that you can go with it so really appreciate the question there has graveyard shift been good for me is Graveyard Shift the five mana reanimation spell that works uh, if that like is an instant if you have like different types? The answer, uh, if it is, is that I haven't personally uh, played with it. Yeah, it is. I, I haven't personally played with it. It clearly has a pretty good ceiling. I think that you know turning on its instant speed is really big. And if you have like a bunch of self mill and you're playing like sewer crocodiles and stuff that you can mill um or you know even more uh like dusk mangler Def- definitely seems like a card with some potential but uh as to whether it's been good for me I just haven't been in a spot to try it yet next question are control decks bad to be playing in limited overall no not at all uh it's just that this format is generally not great for them that, that it's definitely format to format and there are just a lot of mechanics in this format that uh reward being aggressive and a lot of them exist in this color cluster such that um, i think here in particular but also in this whole format in particular uh, you want to generally err toward being more aggressive to what degree does your metagame bias change depending on your draft environment that is on arena there's no ranking put into the draft pods so you may have uh, fewer people taking the best cards overall versus an arena open day two where everyone's already trying to be blue white Obviously, you know, different in different, like, local store type metagames, or if you have, like, a skilled group of friends and you're drafting with them. The answer is that I don't have enough experience these days, or certainly in this format at all, switching between those different environments to, like, get much of a feel of how they feel different. Certainly, you know, if you feel like you're drafting with people who really don't know the set... It's more like that you want to position yourself to take advantage of the best cards, you should just default to blue white. Whereas if you know everyone's defaulting blue white, it might be correct for you to start by trying to default to blue white, but like obviously the threshold to be like, oh, I see that this isn't happening and pivot off of it should be much lower. Cause like, you know, if you're in an environment where you don't expect people to be like forcing blue white, then you know, if you don't see a blue or white card in a pack, that might be a fluke. But if you expect everyone to be forcing it, you don't see a blue or white card in a pack, it's more likely that's a signal. So I think your overall approach shouldn't be that different, but you should be like quicker to pivot to a lane that you expect to be open, the more you expect people to like all have the same preferences. And that, that might be because of skill or it might be because of anything else. I feel like most of my master decks have been much more control than tempo slash aggressive. If you're getting into them with cards like Hostile Takeover or Corpse Explosion or other long game inevitability builds, are there other cards that you value more than you might otherwise? So I kind of think that like with Hostile Takeover... I don't think that I would try to draft significantly more as a control deck. I think that like hostile takeover just like works really well when you're beating down um, it. like Cause it like, you know, you kind of naturally end up having some bigger creatures in maestro if you want them. And uh, like you save a creature that hits for four, you clear out all their other stuff. It's like it's actually good if you've gotten them low and then use hostile takeover as a finisher corpse explosion, kind of similar situation where it's like, you know scalable kill x and it's better a lot better if it's like plague that lets you kill them than if it's just like wrath that keeps you alive so I, th- I think the answer is even when you have those cards i still think you should try to be aggressive um and given that i don't think you, you should be like looking for which cards are gonna like change your evaluations overall to support them you should just be uh just be trying to do largely the same thing that's my answer there Um, The only thing I would look for is to play like bigger creatures more. I'm going to wrap this up here. Thank you very much for tuning in, everyone. And uh, I believe that for next week, I will be starting up the Patreon polls again to determine what I'll be talking about. Stay tuned to the Patreon to uh, vote in that, to... Let me know what what I'll be talking about, and we'll get into whatever it is next week. Have a great week, and bye for now.